Now, so I want to I want to uh, remind you what we're talking about. Remember, Jacob came in from Padan Aram, which is way up here. He came down on this this uh, eastern side of the River Jordan. This is the River Jordan. It's connecting the Sea of Galilee up here to the Dead Sea. I'm sorry, the River Jordan, right, is connecting the Sea of Galilee to the Dead Sea. He came in, and then it, then at the Jabbok River, he crossed, and he came in, and he spent his time there in Shechem. When he had come into the land, remember, already Esau had already moved down into this region, into this region that was called Mount Seir, or later called Edom, after Esau, because Esau is a, Edom is another name for Esau, Edom being red from the appearance of when he was born. And then, and then uh, uh, he spent about eight, eight to ten years in Shechem. Then he moved to Bethel for a year and a half or two years. And then he moved down to Hebron. This is Jacob moved down to Hebron, where he lived the last uh, a decade or so with his father, very close to his father in Hebron, in the area of Hebron. And what we're discussing now is we're going to discuss the genealogy of Esau. And what's good about this is that it's not a particularly fascinating genealogy, but what I want you to do is to learn how to appreciate the genealogies because it is God's word. Remember, if we don't like genealogies, it is because our taste is corrupt. Every word in this book is precious. This has been written by God. Every word is from God. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at this genealogy and we're going to find nuggets of gold in this genealogy that we're going to learn. And again, this is a genealogy which is kind of terminal, which is just the, the offspring of Esau. And, and uh, it's not like we're even tracking the genealogies of those of Israel. So I'm going to take something that is terminal, that is not connected to the light to, to the line of, 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 uh, uh, of Jesus, the eventual birth of Jesus, but something that's tangential to it. And we'll even find nuggets of gold in this. And so you can see in this map, this lower region, this is the, the, the Dead Sea or the Salt Sea. That's the same as here. Let me go to the, the laser pointer here. And so you see this region down here is called Edom. Edom is synonymous with Esau. This is where Esau lived in this lower region, this whole region kind of in, in this area. This is where Moab was. This is where, where the Moab, uh, uh, the, the son of Lot, the, the, uh, uh, from the ancestral relationship that he had with his daughter. And then there were, there were there, the children of Ammon were in this region, also from that same, same from his other daughter. And then you will see the, the, uh, uh, half-tribe of Manasseh, Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh are going to end up populating this region. And then the other, the other parts of the tribe are going to occupy this region. And so Moses is coming in through the Negev from Egypt. This is Egypt over here coming in. And he's going across. And it's in this area that he's going to confront Amalek, which we're going to read about today. Amalek was from this area, from Edom area. And he's going to migrate over into this area. And, and, um, uh, Moses is going to come with the children of Israel. They're going to spend 40 years wandering in this wilderness. And then they're going to come down. They're going to come across here. Then they're going to have to dip down and go around before they go up. And we'll see why they had to dip down and go around. And so remember, this is just kind of an expanded region of what the tribes ultimately were going to be in this area. You had Moab down here by the bottom of the Dead Sea. And then you had Reuben, Gad, half-tribe of Manasseh. 
and then the other parts, the other tribes on the on the western side of the Sea of Galilee. So this is, I'm sorry, this is the eastern side, and then yeah, and this is the the western side of of the River Jordan. And so you see that that here's another map, and it shows you Judah. Judah ends up populating all the way down around here, and Simeon gets subsumed by Judah. And this is exactly what was prophesied in Genesis chapter 49 by, uh, um, by Jacob concerning his two sons, Levi and Simeon, since they had attacked, as we read about in, in Shechem. He says, you're, you're not going to have any land. And, and uh, Levi ends up just having little, little uh, areas outside of cities. And then Simeon's land is going to end up getting subsumed eventually. And it ends up getting subsumed by Judah. Everything in the word of God that says is going to happen, either it has already happened or it will happen. All the prophecies are true. Everything, either they've been fulfilled or they will be fulfilled. Everything is true there. Okay, and so here's again another expansion of this. You see Edom down here uh, by the bottom of the Dead Sea. These are the possible sites of where Sodom and Gomorrah was. We learned in Genesis chapter 13, this was a very plush territory before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And when he destroyed it and rained down fire and sulfur, it really destroyed it. To this day, it is kind of barren. And, and so this is the area that, that Esau is going to populate. This is the Edom area, the area that was designated for him. So he left this area before, uh, uh, before uh, uh, Jacob even came down from Paddan Aram. He had already left because he knew what the prophecy was where his father said, uh, uh, away from, from the fruitful land you will be. Okay, so that we covered last week. So Genesis chapter 36, so verses 1 through 5 cover Esau's wives and sons that were born in the land of Canaan. Verses 7 and 8 is Esau's move from Canaan to Mount Seir or Edom. As prophesied by Isaac, so I'm, I'm sorry, so, so I'm sorry, this was prophesied not by Jacob, but by Isaac in Genesis chapter 27, verse 39. Isaac said, then Isaac, his father answered and said to him, behold, away from the fertility of the earth shall be your dwelling and away from the dew of heaven. And that's why he knew that due to this patriarchal command, this patriarchal blessing or this patriarchal curse, whatever you'd like to call it, is that he knew that he was going to have to leave the fruitful land and he was going to have to go to a land that was separate. And he ends up in this very land. Verses 9 through 14 are going to talk about Esau's sons. 15 through 19, the chief of the chiefs of the sons and grandsons of Esau. Verses 20 through 30, the descendants of Seir, the Horite, or in, in uh, sometimes called the Hurrians in the Nuzi tablets. So there are Nuzi tablets. There are extra-biblical uh, documents, the Nuzi tablets, which date back to the second millennium BC, which talk about exactly many of the things that we're seeing. And, and through the Nuzi tablets, we understand a lot of the, the laws of the times and why the Israelites did things the way they did, because they were functioning under the laws of the times, and these Nuzi tablets uh, exist. And so in the Bible, they're called Horites, the, those descendants of Seir, but in the Nuzi tablets, they're called the Hurrians. In chapters 31 through 39, the king of Edom uh, it discusses the, king, the kings of Edom. These are the descendants of Esau and Seir because Esau ends up melding with the people that lived there at the time, Seir. And then the 36 through 43 of that chapter, 36, finishes with Edom. So I'm going to go to this 
this, uh, 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 this genealogy, and I'm going to start reading now in chapter 36, reading from verse 1 of Genesis. Chapter 36, verse 1. Now these are the records of the generations of Esau, that is Edom. Esau took his wives from the daughters of Canaan, Ada, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, Ohilibama, the daughter of Anna, and the granddaughter of Zibion, the Hivite. Also Basimoth, Ishmael's daughter, and sister of Nebaioth. Ada bore Eliphaz to Esau, and Basimoth bore Ruel. And Oholibama bore Jeush and Jashem and Korah. These are the sons of Esau who were born to him in the land of Canaan. So this verses 1 through 5 talk about the people from the land of Canaan. So you see here in verse 1, it says Esau is Edom. So they're synonymous. Verse 2, he took wives. These are the wives that he took while he was in the land of Canaan. He took Ada as a wife. He took Basama as a wife. So Ada is also called Judith in the scriptures. And again, why does she have two totally different names? Well, why, why does Robert have the name Bob? Totally different names. This happens all the time, so don't, don't get twisted out of shape because the scriptures do this. It happens in our society too. All right, uh, um, uh, it, it, you know, William, Bill. I mean, what, what, why, why, do we, why do we do that? All right, Basimoth, also named Mahalah, Mahalath uh, in the scriptures, and then Aholi Bama, and she was the daughter of, of Anna, Anna the Hittite, the granddaughter of Zibion the Hiphite. Basimoth was the daughter of Ishmael. And that tells us, we learn that in Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28, verse 9, tells us, tells us that Esau went to Ishmael and married, besides the wives, he had married Mahalahath, the daughter of Ishmael. So we see that, that that's the daughter of Ishmael. Sometimes she's called Basimoth. And so these are the three wives of Esau. He got these wives while he was in the land of Canaan. Now he moves, and, and, then, and then he has children that are born in Canaan. And so it says uh, 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 in verse 4, Ada bore Eliphaz to Esau, and Basimoth bore Ruel. So here's Ada bore to him Eliphaz. So Eliphaz is the son of Esau through his wife Ada. Ruel is the son of Esau through his wife Basimoth. And then in verse 5, and Olibama bore Jewish, Jewish and Jalam and Korah. So here they are. Here's the three sons through Oholibama. These were born to him in the land of Canaan. So I say here, above this line, above this line, uh, 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 born in Canaan, well, actually, it should be above this line. I should move it to above this line. And then, and then uh, so now we're, now we're going to start seeing the, the other people that are going to start being born. Now it moves to, so now Esau moves to the land of Seir, which is just south, south, southeast of the Dead Sea. And this is where it picks up. Verse 6, Then Esau took his wives and his sons and his daughters and all his household and his livestock and all the cattle and the goods which they had acquired in the land of Canaan and went to another land, away from his brother Jacob. For their property had become too great for them to live together, and the land where they sojourned could not sustain them because of their livestock. So remember, it's not just that the land was inadequate, it's because... The, the entire land of Canaan had 
been composed of city-states, and these city-states claimed all the grazing round, land around them. And so the nomadic folks, which were like the children of Israel, uh, 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 Isaac's, Isaac, uh, uh, so part of Isaac and then Jacob, they had to be outside of those areas. So the good land was already claimed. So that's what took up a lot of the land. Now verse, verse 8, So Esau lived in the hill country of Seir, Esau is Edom. That's verse 8. So again, he tells us Esau is Edom. Verse 9. These are the records of the generations of Esau, the father of the Edomites in the hill country of Seir. So what we're going to, so what he says now, here's the generations of Esau, the father of the Edomites, because he's from the land of Edom. They were called the Edomites in the hill country of Seir. That's what it was named before he moved there. The hill country of Seir. It says, these are the names of Esau's sons. Eliphaz, the son of Esau's wife, Ada. Ruel, the son of Esau's wife, Basimoth. Verse 11, the sons of Eliphaz were Teman, Omar, Zepho, Gatam, Kinaz. And so those are listed here. So Eliphaz had these five sons. Eliphaz had these five sons are born. And they're born in, in the land of, of Seir or the land of Edom. And, and uh, then it says in, in verse 12, Timnah was a concubine of Esau, Esau's son Eliphaz, and she bore him Amalek to, she bore Amalek to Eliphaz. These are the sons of Esau's wife, Ada. Okay, so here's the sons of, uh, of Esau's wife, Ada, was Eliphaz. Eliphaz, through his wife, had these five sons. He also had a concubine named Timnah. Uh, and so remember, so, so Ada, that wife, was also a daughter of Elon, was the daughter of Elon the Hittite. So Eliphaz then has a, a concubine named Timnah, and that relationship gives birth to Amalek. Amalek, this is the father of the Amalekites, which you hear a lot about as enemies of Israel, and we'll cover that. And he migrated to the Negev and the Sinai area. So he migrated uh, west, and he goes away from the Dead Sea, migrates west, and that's why he, he, he confronts Moses, uh, 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 Moses, his people confront Moses when Moses is coming out of the Promised Land with the Israelites later on because he migrated west to the Negev and to the Sinai area. This was not the land of Edom. The land of Edom was right below the Dead Sea, uh, uh, south and southeast of the Dead Sea. And so, again, here is a treasure. This is where Amalek came from. He came from this relationship with Timnah. Uh, uh, again, and we're going to see Timnah was a person who, who, who was of the descendants of Seir, of that local place, and uh, they produce Amalek. So there's a treasure for us. Now we know where Amalek comes from. If we didn't study the, the, the genealogies, we said, oh, I just don't understand this. I think I'll move on. No, you've got to try to understand this. Try to do this. Try to pick up an organic chemistry textbook and just open it to the middle. Will you understand it? No, you won't understand it. What you have to do is you have to start from the beginning and you have to begin to go through it and then you'll understand it. It's just like that with the Bible. We've got to work through this. We can't just skip the pages we don't understand. God has this there for a reason. And so, so uh, um, then, then it says, it, it, it says uh, in verse 13, These are the sons of Ruel, Nahath, Zerah, Shammah, 
Mizah. These were the sons of Esau's wife, Basamath. So, it, so through Basamath comes Ruel, through that wife Basamath, and then they have these four sons. All right, so they have these four sons, and that's listed here. Then in verse 14, these were the sons of Esau's wife, Aholibama. So now we're going to look over here at Aholibama. The daughter of Anna and the granddaughter of Zibion. She bore Esau, she bore to Esau, Jeush, Jalam, and Korah. So she bore these three sons to Esau. That's who Aholibama, uh, uh, the daughter of, of, of Anna, had borne to Esau. All right. Now verse 15. These are the chiefs of the sons of Esau. The sons of, El- the sons of Eliphaz, the firstborn of Esau, are Teman, our chief Teman, chief Omar, chief Zepho, chief Kenaz. So he's, all of these guys are being named chiefs. Um, chief, uh, chief Korah, chief Gatam, chief Amalek. These are the chiefs, these are the chiefs descended from Eliphaz in the land of Enim. These are the sons of Ada. So here's the sons of his wife. Ada was Eliphaz. And then you see all of these are going to be named chiefs. So at that period in Edom, there were no kings yet. There were only chiefs. And these were chiefs of the different cities. And so Eliphaz, interestingly enough, in the book of Job, Job 2.11, there is a man named Eliphaz the Temanite. Eliphaz lived in a city that was named after his son, Teman. Boom! There is another treasure right there. Is that Eliphaz, who is one of these three friends of Job in the book of Job, is a descendant of Esau. It's Esau's son. And it's the exact same region. It's this region of Uz. And we'll see where that came from, which is in this Edom region. It's the same period as the book of Job. And Eliphaz the Temanite, because he lives in the land, and and Eliphaz was not named a chief. He was named a chief through his sons. And so you say, well, well, why didn't he get to be a chief too? Well, it is an honor to have things named through your son. It is an honor. So Joseph, Joseph doesn't, there's no particular tribe of Joseph in the Bible, but he's named through two of his sons, uh, uh, Ephraim and Manasseh. And Eventually, in the book of Revelation, it'll be go back to being named under Joseph. But, but uh, uh, for all this time, it's named under two of his children. This is not a disgrace. This is a blessing. So it's named after his sons. And so you see that the, there are these treasures here that are named through these sons, and they all become chiefs. And then, and then uh, pick it up in verse 17. Then the sons of Ruel, Esau's son, chief Nahath, chief Zerah, chief Shammah, chief Mizah. These are the chiefs descended from Ruel in the land of Edom. These are the sons of Esau's wife, Basimoth. So Esau's wife, Basimoth, Ruel, and these are the sons that all become chiefs. Uh, and and uh, uh, then in verse 18, these are the sons of Esau's wife, Oholibama. So we're looking over here now under Oholibama. Chief Jeush, Chief Jalam, Chief Korah. These are the chiefs descended from Esau's wife, Aholibama, the daughter of Anna. These are the sons of Esau, that is Edom, and these are their chiefs. So there are five sons, ten grandsons, thirteen tribes. 
13 chiefs, since Eliphaz is represented by his sons and Ruel is represented by his sons. Again, Ruel is not named as a chief, but he's rep represented by his sons. What's also interesting about this is of all the names that are here, all the names that are listed, only two of them signify a name of God. And, and uh, Ruel means friend of God. Jeush means Jehovah help. Everyone else has a name that does not reflect anything related in, in Hebrew to God at all. So you see how Esau is drifting. Look at all the amazing things that we can pull out of this obscure genealogy, which is not even in the line of Jesus. There is a parallel account to this genealogy. It's also listed in First Chronicles. First Chronicles is just filled in the beginning with genealogies. Why would the Bible do that? Because it's, again, documented. You say, well, it's documented here. Why do it over here? Do you back up the memory on your computer or do you just keep one copy? What if that copy fails? You have a backup. And this is what the Bible did. It is very careful. It keeps backups of it. So it lists again and you will see, you'll see backups of the genealogies because this is important to God. And he keeps backups and you can compare the two. And you'll see how some of the names have slightly changed over time. That is natural. If I just go back, if I just go back 300 years, 400 years into Old English, so, so sometimes I, I like, like to read old versions of the Bible, the Geneva Bible from the 1600s. I will read the Geneva Bible just to see how, 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 how they were interpreting things back then. And how, you try to read the Geneva Bible. That's in English. But it has changed in the last 300 years. That happens in the last three, 400 years. English has changed dramatically. Language changes. So you will see names often change. But you'll see the essence of the, of the parallel there in the genealogies. There's just so much here we can get. And we're just getting started. All right. So the story of Job takes place near Edom, Edom in the land of Uz. Remember that name Uz, U-Z, a descendant of Seir. Uz is the descendant of Seir, as we'll see in just a moment. In Job 2.11, it says, Now, when Job's three friends heard of all this adversity that had come upon him, they came each one from his own place. Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuite, Zophar the, the Namathite. And they made an appointment together to, to sympathize with him and comfort him. So you see right there is Eliphaz the Temanite. Now we know where he came from. Now we know what's going on. Uh, and then here's Amalek. Amalek e equals the Amalekites. Remember we learned about Amalek? So he was speaking pro, uh, proleptically of the four kings conquering. So if you went back to Genesis chapter 4, verse 7. Genesis, ch uh, ch Genesis chapter 14, verse 7, you would see this. Genesis chapter uh, 14, verse 7, it says, Then they turned back and they came to En-Mishpat, that is Kadesh, and conquered all the country of the Amalekites, and also the Amorites who lived in Hazan Tamar. These are the four kings that came down to attack. These are the four kings that overcame the land when Lot lived there, and Lot was taken captive, and then Abraham had to go and beat them up um, uh, and, and, and get Lot back. So in Genesis chapter 14, it mentions the Amalekites, how could they talk about the Amalekites in Genesis chapter 14? Because the Amalekites didn't come until much later, 
until hundreds of years later, and, 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 until, uh, well, I don't know, maybe 150 years later, the Amalek was born. How could he speak like this? Well, it is Moses who is writing this. Moses, God is using Moses to pen this. All right? And so Moses is speaking what is called proleptically. He's saying this is going to be the land of the Amalekites. So he's speaking of it within the, the land of the Amalekites. As if I were to say, if I said that uh, uh, Indians populated Harris County, that's the county that I live in in Texas, Indians populated Harris County in the 1700s, that wouldn't phase you a bit. Well, Harris County didn't become enacted until like 1860. What were Indians doing in Harris County? It just means the region where Harris County is today is where the regions where, where the Indians were occupying back then. That is speaking proleptically. All right? That is what he's doing because Moses is writing this. He knows the end of the story already. He knows that this is going to become the territory of the Amalekites. In Numbers 13, verse 29, it says, Amalek is living in the land of the Negev. So now we're in the book of Numbers. This is when Moses is coming into the land. When Moses is coming into the land, Amalek now has migrated into the land of the Negev, which is now west of Edom. He's migrated into that area. Amalek, the Amalekites, were the first nation to attack Israel. That was in Exodus 17, verse 8. They attacked, attacked Moses and Israel when they came out of the land. Then Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. Israel had just come out of, of, of Egypt. They, they were... You know, they, they, they were just come out from being slaves and Amalek attacked them. So God swore to block out, blot out Amalek from the face of the earth. It says in Exodus 7.14, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this in a book as a memorial and recite it to Joshua that I will utterly block, blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. God said it in Exodus chapter 7 verse 14. Exodus chapter 7, verse 14. He says, Moses, you write this down. You can bank on this and you have Joshua, your mentee, recite this, that I'm going to blot out Amalek. When God says something will happen, it will happen. When something is prophesied in the Bible, it will happen. If you don't like prophecy, again, your taste is corrupt. Learn to enjoy prophecy because it is real. God does this to, so that we can see that he is God. The Amalek... Amalekites subjugate Israel under the period of the judges. So in Judges 3.13, 6.3, and 7.12, you'll see how the Amalekites subjugated Israel. The Amalekites slaughtered, are slaughtered under Saul at God's command in 1 Samuel chapter 14 and 15. And then the Amalekites are attacked by David, by King David, in 1 Samuel 27 verse 8 and chapter 30 verse 1. So this is hundreds of years later. This is like 500 years later. The Amalekites are still causing trouble. Well, then the tribe of Simeon finally exterminated them per God's proclamation in the days of Hezekiah. This is way later in the days of Hezekiah. This is like 500 years later in 1 Chronicles 4, chapter 42, uh, 1 Chronicles 4, verse 42 and 43. From them, the sons of Simeon, 500 men went to Mount Seir with Pelatiah, Neriah, Nephiah, and Uziel, the sons of Ishi, as their leaders. They destroyed the remnant of the Amalekites who escaped 
and have lived there to this day. So Simeon ended up living in this area of Mount Seir, which is called Edom, south of the Dead Sea. They took it, the remnant of the Amalekites, after Stahl had almost destroyed them, but he didn't follow through on God's command. David had really messed them up. There was a small group left that had fled to the south of the Dead Sea, and Simeon went in and just took them out and exterminated them because God said it in Exodus chapter 7, verse 14, so that in 1 Chronicles, four or 500 years later, he wipes them out. When God said it has to happen, it will happen. This is what the Word of God is. It is absolutely true. When God says something is going to happen, it has to happen. Again, we get all of this just by looking at this genealogy. We understand it. Now, this is, this is the, the line of Seir, the, the, the Horite. So Seir already lived in, the, in that hill country just south of the Dead Sea when Edom or Esau moves in. Uh, 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 Seir is the, a Horite, which means a cave dweller. There are many caves. If you go down to the Dead Sea today, as you're driving down there, you will see these mountains and all of these caves in these mountains. I mean, if you're a kid playing around there, you could go. You could do a lot of exploring through caves. I mean, it's it, it's all up on the side of cliffs and stuff. It's really dangerous. I mean, it, it, it's just gonna natural selection is gonna take some of these kids out. But it'd be a great place to play, and and you could you could you could go there and and uh, just see caves. These were cave dwellers. They inhabited the land before Esau arrived. They were partially conquered and subjugated by Esau. The survivors intermarried with Esau. In Genesis twenty-seven verse forty, Isaac said. Of, of Esau. By your sword you shall live. That was prophesied of Esau by Isaac. And indeed, he lived by his sword. He came in. He cleaned up that area. He says, I'm going to live here now. But some of Seir, he ended up melding with and intermarrying with. And so that's what we have in this same chapter 36, verse 20. These are the sons of Seir, the Horite, the inhabitants of the land, Lotan and Shobal and Zibion and Anna and Dishan, and Esser, and Dishan. These are the chief's descendants from the Horites, the sons of Seir in the land of Edom. That's verse 21. So look at that. He just named these sons, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven sons that Seir had. And these became seven chiefs. These were Seir's sons. Well, where was the intermarrying? Well, Lotan, we're going to see in verse 20, so... so uh, um, in verse 20, these are the sons of Seir, the Horite, the inhabitants of the land. Lotan was the first son, the oldest son. Now we look in verse 22. Let's read verse 22. The sons of Lotan were Hori and Heman, and Lotan's sister was Timnah. Timnah was Lotan's sister. Well, look up in verse 12. Verse 12, Timnah was a concubine of Esau, and she was the mother of Amalek. So there, there's the intermarrying. Lotan's sister, who is a son of Seir, his sister was Timnah. This is where, where Eliphaz met her in Seir. Lotan's sister, Timnah, took her as a concubine in, in, in verse 12 and had Amalek as a child. There was the intermarrying. And so, so then you see in verse 22, Lotan uh, uh, had Hori and Hemam as sons. And then we, we turn to verse 23. These are the sons of Shobal. Uh, Alvan, Manha, Manahath, and Ebal, and Shepo, and Onam. So there, there, there they are. 
So, so, uh, so Shobal has these four sons. There it is listed. These are the children of Anna, Dishan, Oholibama, the daughter of Anna. All right, so here's Anna. He gives birth to, he, 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 his descendants are Dishan and Oholibama. Oholibama is Esau's wife from verse 2 and verse 14 of this same chapter. So although he met Oholibama in the land of Canaan, she was, and remember, from, from the bottom of the Dead Sea to Hebron, if you were going to drive it today, uh, uh, you, you, you've got to kind of go around the, the, the Dead Sea and stuff, but I, I would say you could make that drive in an hour. If there were no checkpoints to go through, you could make that drive in an hour, maybe an hour and a half. All right. So we're not talking about a far distance, and that's driving at like 60 miles an hour. So in other words, we're not talking about far distances here. There's another place where the intermarrying occurred. This was Esau's wife. She was a descendant, a granddaughter of Seir. And these are the sons of, in verse 26, these are the sons of Dishan, Hemdan, Eshban, Ithran, and Cheren. And so they're going to be listed right down here. They're listed right here. These are the sons of Esser, Bilhan, Zavan, and Akan. That's verse 27. And they're, list, they're listed right here. Uh, these are the sons of Dishan, Uz, and Aran. Uz and Aran. Remember I told you, remember that name, Uz? That city where Job lived, Job was from the land of Uz. Job 1.1 says there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. He was from this area of, of Seir, and that's where Eliphaz, the Temanite, went to encourage his friend. He went to the city of Uz. And, and then he talks about the chiefs, and it goes on from there. So uh, this is kind of a summary here. Uh, where Esau equals Edom. There's three wives, five sons, ten grandsons, thirteen chiefs among them. Uh, I think Mike, you have to, you have to, um, you have, you have to uh, uh, put somebody on mute. They unmuted themselves somehow. Um, then there's the the Horites, the seven sons of the chiefs, twenty-one tribes conquered Esau, and then the dynasty of, of eight eight kings. So here's the kings. In in most kingships, everything was based on a dynasty where the father to the, it passed from father to son. In Edom, it was different. The kingship was not dynastic, but elected by the chiefs. The capital of Edom changed based upon the hometown of the newly elected king. This is further suggested in Isaiah 34, 12. What I'm going to do is I'm going to wrap it up here and just say that, 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 that what is the bottom line here? And we're going to pick this up next time because I just don't want to rush through. There's just too much, too many treasures, there's too many nuggets of gold. This is just so good. And remember, this is an obscure, this is an obscure, uh, um, uh, uh, an, an obscure genealogy. I'm going to stop sharing my screen here and go back. This is an obscure genealogy. There's these nuggets of gold where we learn about Amalek. We learn about Eliphaz, this friend of Job. We learn about where this, where this intermarrying. This is what the genealogies have. So remember, if you do not like genealogies, it's because you've never been trained properly. This is so rich. Every one of these is a, is a training ground where we can do, up, do these matchups. Now, yeah, certainly some guys get lost. We don't know what the tail end of these are. Now, you can read the Jewish writings and follow these a little better because the, the rabbis will take great liberty at, at, at saying, well, this guy was, ended up here and this guy ended up here. We have no record of it biblically. They will have 
uh, 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 oral tradition that points to that, and very old oral tradition, not recent stuff. I'm talking about oral traditions that are more than a thousand years old, more than two thousand years old. Very old oral traditions. Uh, but this stuff is just treasures. Everything that it says in the Bible that God says is going to happen is going to happen. So many prophecies in the Bible have already been fulfilled. There are some prophecies that have not yet been fulfilled that deal with the second coming of Jesus. Those will be fulfilled. You say that, are, are there prophecies about this? You know, you can read something in the Old Testament. The Old Testament will have lots of prophecies that have already been fulfilled. They had one fulfillment. Now they have many applications. You can apply it to many things. You say, well, this is, the, this is like the, the, the time in the United States that we're going through in this COVID thing. This is what the prophecy must be like. Uh, maybe not. There's no reference to the United States, no reference to America in the Bible that anyone has been able to ever find. Nobody has found it. Now, I know it's really important to you, but biblically, it doesn't seem to be that important. Now, you can try to insert it. So, ah, when it talks about this eagle in the cliff, the symbol of the United States is an eagle. That must mean it. Yeah, you can do that. And you can, you can say that Barack Obama was related to Oholabama, the wife of, of Esau. You know, if you want to go that far, you, you, can, you can say that. You can say all sorts of crazy stuff. But it doesn't mean that it's true. You have to have some legitimate reason for connecting these sorts of things. And, and, uh, uh, but everything that the Bible has predicted, has prophesied, has come true or will yet to come true, certainly concerning the second coming of Christ, will come true. This book is tremendous. If you don't know this book, I urge you, brothers and sisters, make this book your meditation. Make your blood just filled with this book where you can take verses of Scripture and just speak them out into situations so that you would love this book and honor this book. The treasure of the Gospels, the treasures of the Old Testament, the treasures of the genealogy, every word is from God. Don't ever think that you know more than this or somebody can say this doesn't belong. God has protected this as a treasure. Let's pray. Oh Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. What a treasure your word is. It is so good. Thank you, Lord God, for the treasures of the scriptures. And I pray, Lord, that you would just drill this into our hearts, that we would love the word of God even more as we see even in an obscure genealogy of Esau, there's just treasures of truth here which connect so many different points in the Bible. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of it. And I pray for these young people that you would drive this right into their hearts, that they would love this word, that they would love this word. Lord, give them love for the word of God and that they would make this their daily meditation. Give them love for the word of God, I pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen.